welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast. Austin back with you again this week. Got another good episode for you all. Uh, This one I've actually been thinking about doing for a while uh, because it really, really applies to our world. Uh, And then also specifically with some recent events. Uh, For those of you that, you know, watch the news, keep up on what's going on in the world, California just gained the ability well, I should say gun owners in California just gained the ability to own standard capacity magazines uh, when the Ninth District Court, I believe it was, overturned the ban on what they deemed to be high capacity magazines. Um, <clears throat> and if you notice, what I just said there is they can now own standard capacity versus the what the California lawmakers had deemed as high capacity magazines. I'm not specific, but uh, I'm the the limit on magazine capacity in California was I believe it was either five or ten rounds. So that's both rifles, uh, you know, AR-15s and the and the like, uh, as well as handguns. And that was overturned. That was ruled to be, um, you know, unconstitutional, which is great. It's a huge victory for Second Amendment supporters. Uh, and and you know, it kind of sucks because uh, we're we're immediately seeing. Um, backlash, I I guess, from the liberal media uh, and liberal-minded individuals. Uh, I know I had a, you know, a post uh, on on Facebook that I was involved with. Um, You know, I I commented, but uh, it was something to the effect of if, and this is getting a little bit in the realm of being political, which I do try to avoid to some extent anyways, is... um, if Black Lives Matter is responsible for all the rioting, then why isn't the NRA held responsible for every school shooting? And I think that's one. It's terrible. Okay, um, the the rioting and the looting is obviously very tragic. Uh, there's a, a loss of life in some instances, which of course is is terrible. Uh, but a lot of loss of livelihood. Uh, a lot of work that goes into these building up these metropolitan cities to what they are. Um, and that's all gone due to this, but school shootings are in in a different category, all of their own. So to bring in an organization like the NRA who yes, lobbies for gun rights, but, uh, it's not, I don't, I don't see where the connection is. Um, it's almost like, um, when you're a kid and, or even (laughs) a young adult and you get an argument and you lose the argument. And then you just find the next easiest thing to pick on just because. Uh, And that's kind of what that felt like. Uh, The NRA does not sponsor, support, condone mass violence and shooting. Uh, They condone the rights, uh, the peaceful protest for gun rights. And they're a organization that is, uh, yeah, a lobbyist for for gun owners' rights. Um, Albeit, personally, not a huge fan of the NRA. Um, I know they got a lot of stuff going on right now in New York being sued. Um, I just, I don't personally feel that they've done a whole lot to actually protect gun owners' rights in the past 20 or so years. Um, if you want to support an organization uh, that, that protects the Second Amendment and promotes gun rights, I would say look into something more like Gun Owners of America. I think that's a more genuine um, organization that's going to give you more immediate results. Um, but back to the point, our episode this week, we're going to talk about 
gun legislation and gun control uh, because it's always a huge issue you know today it's august 20th 2020 uh every day puts us one day closer to the the coming election uh you know joe biden announced that uh kamala harris is uh his vp his uh vice presidential running mate and they are both very strong on their position for gun control and gun control legislation. There's proof of it all over the place. We're coming for your guns. You don't need this. We're going to take it from you. Um, ironically, as they're, you know, protected by security, secret service, who, whoever that carry the same guns that they deem the rest of us not fit to, to have. Um, this is a major point of discussion, right? Every, every, uh, presidential election and that i can remember going at least back to clinton um gun control is huge i actually just watched with my wife the other night the movie uh the american president and that's it's not the premise of the movie but it's the the bill that he's trying to push through is gun control legislation is just huge and i i honestly enjoy that movie a lot um that part did make me cringe a little bit just because i you know i don't like that hollywood uh seems to push that agenda all the time while simultaneously all making money off of characters and movies that use guns and violence to entertain. But I digress. So um, both sides of the aisle really argue about these issues with gun control, right? Everyone's got their opinion and you're classified as either a Democrat or a Republican based off of how you feel about it. And I feel like um, as the divide between those two ideologies, those two identities has kind of gotten deeper um it's gotten less and less acceptable to fall anywhere in the middle uh which is kind of a shame because i feel like there's just an overall lack of education on the second amendment on firearms in general the responsibility that goes with owning them um and and really the uh preparation and really and really the laws themselves everyone wants to yell around you know run around and yell we need more gun laws we we were not doing enough well okay then what do we need to do? And you'd actually be shocked to find how many people say we need to do X, Y, Z, and then find that that's already on the books. We need more background checks. Did, did you know that background checks are already something that's done when you go purchase a gun? Well, you should have to wait longer. Why? If my background check can clear on the spot with modern technology, why is there need to be a waiting period? Well, because. Well, because isn't a good answer. Oh, we need to have you know, uh, capacity restrictions. We need to have caliber restrictions. Um, and I had this debate with a friend, uh, probably, uh, probably at least a year ago. And, uh, I was over actually over my brother's house. Uh, we were having a couple cocktails, you know, and, uh, he got on this subject about, uh, how, you know, AR 15s are, it's ridiculous. Nobody needs one and they're deadly killing machines that are assault rifles. They don't The general public has no need for those. So I said, well, okay, well, why? It's like, well, because they're just, they're so devastating and deadly. Something of those words, effect, whatever. And I go, well, what about shotguns? Like, well, hunting is fine. I don't have any problem with hunting. I go, so you're okay with somebody owning a 12 gauge, but not an AR-15? Well, yeah. I go, so why? Like, well, because you can't do as much damage. So I actually went um, at my brother's house. I went to his, uh, his gun safe. I pulled out a box of 12 gauge slugs and I pulled out a box of uh, 5.56 pull one out of each and I hold them up next to each other and I show them and they go, look it, <laughs> that's what a slug looks like. And this is what a five, five, six round looks like. So you're telling me that this huge thing is basically the size of your thumb is acceptable because it doesn't do as much damage as this 
little guy over here. For those of you that don't know, the 5.56 round, the 2.23 Remington round, uh, whatever, it's not a it's not a very large round. Okay, it, it travels over a good velocity, but like it's not some some great shakes in terms of uh, the the size of the the cartridge itself, uh, the the bullet itself. Um, and that's just, it, it just proves the point that the people that argue that people like me or, you know, people like you, you people don't need that. Um, they don't know what they're talking about. And honestly, if they did, they'd probably have a different opinion, which is why we're always so big here at the pod about do your research and figure it out for yourself. I mean, Hey, if somebody wants to tell me I don't need a gun or I don't need a specific kind of gun or I don't need a capacity, whatever. Hey, let's talk about it. Change my mind. You know, uh, capacity laws being what they are. I, I understand some people can actually make a pretty decent argument for that. Do I agree with it? No, but I could at least respect that you can use statistics to have an intelligent conversation on it. Um, but that's the problem is that those people are few and far between because the vast majority just watches the news and they see all these piped in images and clips of violence and guns and they see these terrible, terrible things, and it must be the gun's fault. School shootings especially, public mass shootings especially. Um, to that point, I kind of want to just touch on really quick, um, schools have been closed due to COVID. Um, funny how we've not had any mass shootings involving school students. And you say, well, yeah, duh, because schools are closed. Okay, well, uh, grocery stores are still open. No mass shootings there. Uh, bars and restaurants have now been open for a month, two months. We've not had any uh, any shootings there either. Um, so is it, but the guns have still, are, actually there's more guns out there now than there have been previously. We've had record setting months in terms of firearm sales and ammunition sales. So there is more guns out there now than there has ever been. And yet we have less shootings. The point I'm getting at is, uh, there's no kids in school, right? There's no people in movie theaters. Okay. Nightclubs, uh, are summer open. A lot are shut down. Those are all your targets opportunity where people aren't allowed to carry a gun because the gun laws that people are screaming for that are already in place and have been in place a long time prohibit you from having a gun there. Okay. Bars. If the, if it's an establishment that serves, it's over a certain amount. I think it's 70% or greater might be even less than that, uh, of sales are, uh, alcohol then, or I'm sorry, it might be less than that, less than 70%. Uh, if it's alcohol, then that's a, technically a bar, not a restaurant. Can't carry a gun there. Schools, gun-free zone. Can't have a gun there. And I know there's a lot of different discussions on alternatives to that, and we're not going to really touch on that, but, um, you know, movie theaters, uh, grocery stores, a lot of these places come out and have public statements. They plaster stickers and walls and windows, whatever, with big old signs that say this is a gun-free zone. And in all honesty, it's just to make people feel more comfortable, but it actually doesn't make it any safer. Because if someone's going out of their way planning on committing a shooting, murder is already a crime. Capital punishment, right? So do you think that the charge of trespassing or brandishing a firearm is somehow going to deter them it's not it's a it's a flawed argument um i have a lot of trouble accepting that when people bring that up uh but what i want to do is let's back it up all right i found this is a lot of this is pulled from an article that i got from uh time magazine 
published back uh, end of April of 2019, and it gave a pretty good timeline um, on major gun control legislation. And we're not going to get into uh, stuff at the state level. We're not going to get into specific capacity restrictions, um, barrel length restrictions, or ammunition type restrictions that, that are specific to your state. Um, none of the, the grips or any of the accessory stuff uh, that, that's specific to a state. This is We're looking at the national level, okay? So first date, December 15th, 1791. It's the first 10 amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Second Amendment states, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, right? And that was, we're talking over 200 years ago now, right? It's one of the founding principles of this country, just like the First Amendment, which grants the right to free speech. But if we wanted to repeal that one and get it taken away, you'd have a hell of a time, right? So why is this any different? I digress. So we jumped forward. We went a long, long time without any major legislation being passed as a country. Um, and we were growing a lot during this. There's a lot of reasons why. Okay, June 26th, 1934, the NFA is passed, National Firearms Act. It's part of FDR's New Deal for Crime, right? Um, and at that point, stuff like this was important. Uh, the country was in a pretty volatile state, right? We were in the Great Depression. There was a lot of new ideas being thrown around. There was a lot of crime for a lot of different reasons. Um, so what this did was it was, it was, well, what it was designed to do was limit crime and gang activity. Uh, and it imposed a $200 tax stamp for short barrel rifles and then suppressors. Okay. Um, it, now it's been modified since then. Um, but that's in, in essence what this legislation has done. And think about that. It's almost a hundred years old. Okay. We're not quite a hundred, obviously. Um, but it, it's a really, really old piece of legislation and gun owners today still hate this because you have to pay an extra $200 and then you have to wait for those people that think we need waiting periods on all this stuff. Once you pay your $200 for your tax stamp, if you want to buy a suppressor, let's say, okay, not a silencer, a suppressor uh, for your your rifle, your 16-inch rifle, right? Then it has to be approved by the ATF, which can take somewhere between four and 14 months from stories I've heard. Uh, Sam, my, my co-host here, who's uh, at home healing up, uh, Sam had to wait, I think he said 14 months when he went through the tax stamp process. 14 months. And that's, you're going to take a, a normal legal length uh, barrel, right? 16 inches. And you're going to throw what? Like an eight inch suppressor on the end of that thing. So now your barrel, just the barrel is 24 inches long. It's like, yeah, you know, two feet, give or take, uh, depending on what your muzzle device looks like. And if your suppressor is longer than eight inches, it might be a little bit more. That's before you get to the length of the receiver in your stock and stuff. So, you know, it's not like you're having some great concealable thing, uh, having this this uh, suppressor. And by the way, in the standard 5.56 round that you see, it does not make it whisper quiet like the movies. That's a total fallacy. You see like a 30 decibel reduction. Um, and, and actually, the target for a lot of guys now is not even to make it that quiet. It's just to get it to where it's hearing safe, where you can not have to wear the, the big bulky earmuff hear prote- uh, protection when shooting it. There are some options out there on the market. They're extremely expensive when you start getting into other uh, ammo, different kind of caliber setups. Uh, to get it that quiet, you have to run something like, it's called 
300 blackout. It's uh, between a 5.56 and a 308. Um, and you have to get, you know, subsonic and supersonic ammo. It's super expensive. Plus, the, the suppressors themselves, they cost somewhere between, for, I don't know, for a cheap one, you can get them for a couple hundred bucks. Um, the good ones are up over a thousand. Plus two hundred dollars tax stamp. Plus, if it's something that has a special muzzle device you need for it, that's another hundred or whatever dollars to go with it. So this isn't really a cheap endeavor. Um, and the same thing if you want to have an SBR. And all an SBR means is to have a barrel uh, shorter, shorter than sixteen inches, and the overall length of your rifle is is under twenty six inches. Um, which, you know, uh, we have these things now called pistol braces. They're basically just a rubber stock instead of a hard plastic one um, that circumvent this rule because then it's not a rifle it's a pistol but then you know i own one i have an 11 and a half inch ar pistol technically i have to pay a tax stamp for it so it, it begs to argue then why why do we have this tax stamp it's so easy to get around and then you have people lobbying oh well pistol braces should be illegal why it's, there's no point to, to all of this uh, chasing the tail that people want to go after with all this stuff with the NFA. Uh, and honestly, this is probably the, the if this ever got reversed, it'd be the single biggest victory for Second Amendment uh, supporters, I think, of anything else. It's, it's a major thorn. Um, so then moving on. We get to 1938 and the Federal Firearms Act, the FFA, is passed, right? So this requires manufacturers, importers, and dealers all to get a FFL, a Federal Firearms License. Okay, it also made it illegal for felons to get guns, required a record of all sales. Okay, um, one thing that is kind of important to know with this is this was technically repealed in 68, uh, but it was replaced by a different piece of legislation, um, Gun Control Act, okay, uh, minus record of all sales. All right. So a lot of the things that people talk about now, felons can't get guns yet. Felons are out there committing crimes with guns every day. Right. Um, and a lot of people agree with a lot of this. There should be records to help track things like sales um, and, and the, where the, the flow of these weapons go from manufacturers and importers, dealers. And I think that that's OK. I think that that's that's a good, safe practice, honestly. OK, I'm not totally uh, to the right on on the whole concept here. Um, I just think that some of the stuff that's thrown around is a little bit ridiculous. Um, jump forward to, so one year, 1939, the United States v. Miller. So this wasn't a piece of legislation, but this was a court case. Um, through the NFA, Congress could regulate short-barreled shotgun sales across the country. Um, and this specifically point out that a sawed-off shotgun had any reasonable relationship to the preservation or efficiency of a well-regulated militia. Okay. Um, basically saying that the Second Amendment doesn't protect that, um, so you can't have a short barrel shotgun, um, which I believe the same rules apply. It's either 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 or. It's either a 16 inch barrel or an overall length <clears throat> of uh, I think it's 26 inches on a shotgun. Which again, there's ways to do those with pistol braces now too. And uh, the Mossberg shockwave, uh, I forget how they got, I believe they found a way to classify that as a pistol. Um, for those of you that don't know, that's basically a shorty shotgun. It's got just a regular old, like, uh, it looks like kind of like a sawed off stock, just a regular handle on it. Um, and then a short barrel, I think it only holds like four or five shells plus one in the chamber it might be four. It's convenient. Um, if you need to 
put it someplace small like the bed of a truck or a back seat or something for personal defense i don't think it makes the most sense given the other options out there but again there's a way we found ways to work around it and, and honestly i don't know uh with a shotgun if that makes us makes a whole lot of sense but i digress you know just something else that was argued on and there was a court ruling for because somebody decided they were going to make it an issue. So then we jump forward almost 30 years here, 1968, the Gun Control Act. This was after uh, John Kennedy was assassinated. Um, and a lot of our political leaders pushed for this as a replacement for the uh, Federal Firearms Act. Basically, it kept most of the same rules in place, um, but it added more specific verbiage to legislation, um, especially for things uh, like explosives, okay, the specific verbiage of destructive devices. Um, so when they did this, though, it was planned out. It was done um, very specifically for, uh, I think, for a lot of different reasons. It was uh, very vague in general in its wording, um, done on purpose because then it's easier to argue what it covers, right? Um, this banned explosives, bombs, mines, grenades, um, which, okay, um, I, again, I'm not necessarily opposed to that because of uh, how damaging um, those devices can be, right? I don't necessarily think that that should be something that's legal. Uh, let's talk about things like mines that are traps laid to specifically, and you can't really control who's going to walk into that. You can guy down the street, whatever. Um, so again, not totally against against that. The part that does kind of irk some people now is that the within this broadened definition in this uh, gun control act, um, it included the specific verbiage for uh, quote unquote machine guns, um, and uh, banned the importing of guns that have no uh, no sporting purpose, whatever they deem to be no sporting purpose. Uh, that's why you, you hear the AR-15 referred to all the time as America's rifle. Uh, it's a sports rifle um, because you do see a lot of people using it for com competitive matches, for sporting. Hunting is technically sporting. And while you there's only specific things you can hunt with a 5.56, five, the AR-style platform is offered in a lot of different calibers uh, that go lar way larger than 5.56, five, you know, 308, 6.5 Creedmoor, whatever. Um, it's used for hunting. Now, there's capacity limitations there and stuff. And it's, you know, that's a whole different ball of wax. Um, but that's how we've been able to keep our AR-15s is because they are a, a modern sporting rifle. Um, this also, again, uh, something that I somewhat agree with is uh, 21 years old restriction to purchase a handgun. I, I think that there should be a age restriction on purchasing of firearms. However... At 18 years old, you can join the military where they give you one and teach you how to use it, teach you how to kill with it, right? Because you're in the armed services. In my mind, if 18 is old enough to vote, 18 is old enough to smoke, 18 is old enough to join the military, 18 should then be old enough uh, you know, to, to purchase a handgun. You can drive when you're 18 without any restrictions, right? Everyone remembers that. Turning 18 was magical because then you didn't have to be home by midnight with your learner's permit. So look up the statistics on automobile deaths versus gun deaths every year. Compare the two. Uh, it's not a, well, I'll, be, I'll admit, not a great comparison, but look at how many deaths we have every year due to automobile fatalities um, and then what we have due to gun violence. Um, 
and yet we have separate, more stringent restrictions on guns. I don't, uh, again, I, I, I agree with parts of it. I don't agree with all of it. Um, and going back here to the Gun Control Act, because the FFA was repealed, we did keep in place things like uh, the stop the sales to felons, uh, mentally ill individuals, and others that were deemed unfit to own. That's where I do have a little bit of an issue, um, especially because nowadays um, that can be misconstrued into so many different things. You can you can manipulate so many different things into an argument to say you're unfit to own a firearm. Um, I don't want to get too into the weeds on it, so we're going to move on. Um, but that's a pretty, in my opinion, that's some broad verbiage. Oh, we're just going to deem you unfit to own with no specific mention of what that means. Um, that's that's concerning. Uh, again, in my opinion, um, it also imposed stricter licensing um, and regulation on the whole firearms industry. Um, it required all imported guns to have a serial number added. Again, I'm cool with that. Uh, I think it, it's a smart move uh, to to monitor the importation of, of firearms um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, just, you know, domestic terrorism is domestic terrorism is a thing let's just call it what it is um if you have imported firearms coming in to support groups like that that's something that needs to be monitored and so i am i'm cool with all that um we jump forward here almost 20 years uh 1986 i'm sorry 1986 the firearm owners protection act uh, and this, I even made notes here, this is the first win that uh, gun owners had for a long time. Because up until this point, if you, if you think about it, everything's just been restriction, 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 and restriction. Yeah. Um, so this is the first win. Um, this prohibited a national registry of dealer records. It limited the power of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, uh, specifically on inspections. And it loosened restrictions on, and regulations, I'm sorry, uh, on the sale of ammunition. Um, I know some states are really pushing for that now. Uh, I believe it's New York, somewhere on the East Coast. Uh, I think it's New York. Wanted to pass a law where you can only buy 50 rounds of ammunition a month. And that's it. That's ridiculous. So you're expected to hold up in court and to be able to to defend yourself based off of you defending yourself with a firearm. And the first thing they're going to bring up is, well, how often, how often do you train and practice with this firearm? How accurate are you? Well, I, I put 50 rounds down. Well, you know, isn't it, uh, isn't 50 rounds just one single box of ammunition? So it's, it's really like a self-fulfilling prophecy that you're going to have issues by doing this. Um, again, that's why I, I cannot stand the people pushing for all of this are the ones that do not understand owning a gun, training with a firearm, what it takes to be proficient and accurate with a firearm. But we'll get back to it. Uh, expanded the, uh, the Gun Control Act to prohibit uh, civilian ownership or transfer of machine guns after uh, May 19th of 86. Uh, basically... You have to have, I don't even, honestly, I don't, I'm not even familiar with the terminology in the process. I know you have to go through a, a lot of, I think you might have to be uh, classified as an FFL, I'm not sure, honestly, to own a machine gun in this country. Um, the price on them is staggering because of that. It's very difficult to get approved for these. Um, and that's, again, you these people, oh, well, these machine guns need to be illegal. Well, okay, an AR-15 is not a machine gun. It's a semi-automatic, just like a handgun is. 
Oh, I'll let you keep your handguns. Just you can't have those rifles. Well, they're the same, the same damn thing. One pull of the trigger means one round is discharged. That's it. Machine guns, by definition, are basically illegal. Okay, the amount of stuff you have to go through to be able to get a true machine gun here. I'm not talking about something illegally modified. I'm saying actually purchase a machine gun is staggering. Okay, look it up on your own. It's There's a lot to it. Um, this did add clarity and definition to the term silencer, which included any and all parts intended to be used to make and manufacture silencers and suppressors. Okay, um, talking about tax stamps earlier for suppressors, there's two different kinds. Um, one of them is just to purchase a suppressor. The other stamp you can get from what I'm told has a shorter turnaround time, um, but still costs $200. And that's if you're going to manufacture a, uh, basically a firearm or, uh, a suppressor. Um, there are kits that you can buy online, uh, to make a suppressor and you have to get the baffling drilled out and done at a machine shop and stuff. And then you have to have the suppressor has to be engraved or printed, uh, basically with the serial number for that specific item. Okay. Uh, I think I believe that's a form one. So again, uh, more legislation, more restrictions, uh, and something that, and honestly, whatever you're going to put together in your garage is likely less effective than what you're going to buy from companies who, do, you know, develop these for their literal business. Okay. Companies like Surefire and Dead Air, uh, they put a lot of R and D time and money into this. So it just, it seems very ridiculous that there's so much, uh, piled up against the suppressor idea. Um, and also for what's worth, I put a, uh, another footnote in here. I can't stand when publications do this level of research, yet still refer to suppressors as silencers. Uh, technically, that's what's on the patent is a silencer, but the the technical term is suppressor. Uh, it doesn't make it doesn't make the weapon silent. But again, that's just you push that narrative, you push that idea, and people start to believe it, and that's why everyone's automatically in a you know in opposition of that. And then you know we end up where we're at today, where people say, no, 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 you tell me why you need this. Why do you need to have this? Well, the Second Amendment. No, but why do you need to have this every day? Say, so, well, I don't need to prove that to you. It's we're protect. We should be anyways. We should be allowed to own these. Um, you know, as far as I see it, that's an infringement. So next, 1993, the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act. This was an amendment to the Gun Control Act of 68 and requires background checks before a sale is made from a licensed dealer, okay, and a federal fire, uh, federal firearm licensee uh, holder slash manufacturer importer, okay? This is the background check we were talking about. Uh, this also established the NICS, which is the National Instant Criminal Background Check System that's maintained by the FBI, Okay, so for all the people out there that scream that we don't have background checks, yes, we do. We've had them for almost 30 years now. Okay. Next year, 1994, the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act. Specifically, there's a subsection there. It's titled the Public Safety and Recreational Firearms Use Protection Act. Uh, essentially, that's the assault weapons ban in 94. When Bill Clinton was president, they, they were successful in banning assault, what they deemed to be assault-style weapons um, from September of 94 until September of 2004. Um, now, since then, okay, it's been about 16 years. Coming up on 16 years, it's not quite September. Uh, there's been a lot of attempts to reinstate this. 
um, and they've, they've not been successful. Um, one of the big reasons, and if you know anything about politics, is because you can't, you have to have votes on both sides of the aisle to get stuff like this to pass, um, just based on the numbers of it. Uh, it was not effective in reducing crime. They banned these firearms and it didn't matter. Okay. Criminals are criminals because they don't follow the laws, meaning they're not going to follow the law saying that they can't have that firearm. They're going to say, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to get the best thing for what I got to do, right? I need to kill five people. I'm going to get the best tool to do it with. And whether it's legal or not, because murder is illegal in itself. So they're not worried about what they got to do to get there. Right? I mean, does that sound crazy? It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Um, One of the points here, why do you keep adding the word protection in the titles of these bills? Like responsible and (laughs) law-abiding gun owners need protection from these things. Um, They do it, and, you know, these are notes to myself here. They do it because people read the title of these bills and vote based off of that okay we've all done it right you, you do it when you're picking cereal you do it when you're picking articles online um when you're sharing stuff online now especially people read the headline take that at face value they share it they post it or they like it whatever and they move on with their life same thing here classic misdirection okay it's titled as a protection act who does it protect if it's stripping law-abiding citizens of their rights, I don't think that's really protecting them. Again, this is my opinion, and a lot of people will not agree with me on this. Um, if you're listening, you're probably one of the people that does agree with me on this. But, you know, here we are anyways. Um, but getting back to it, this bill states you can't manufacture, transfer, or possess a semi-automatic assault weapon unless uh, it was possessed lawfully under federal law uh, on or before this legislation was enacted. So basically, um, if you already owned a firearm, it wasn't going to make you a felon for having it after that went into effect. Um, it was just impossible to get them during this ban. Um, it specifically stated that 19 different firearms or copycat firearms, copycat, I'm sorry, firearms couldn't be sold or manufactured. And this covered, uh, (laughs) quite popular models like the AR-15, uh, the Tech 9 and the Mac 10, um, and some others. So it took the most popular guns and that were not just your basic handgun, because uh, at this time, you know, Glock wasn't really a, a huge thing yet, um, and they made them all legal. You couldn't get them. You know, you jump jump uh, to 2020 here, and now people find these these guns from the you know pre-ban days, and people pay way over what they're worth because people wanna they want to collect them, they want to own a piece of history, basically. Um, and last piece there, it banned uh, high-capacity magazines. Again, high-capacity. Uh, standard capacity, please, um, but it, anything that was over 10 rounds, which is why you see a lot of handguns um, from the 90s, uh, late 80s, were 10-round capacity and less. Uh, the full metal frame uh, Smith & Wesson handguns or Ruger handguns all come to mind that you saw uh, in shows like Miami Vice and stuff. Um those all had 10 round capacities. And that's, I mean, as a business, you got to do what you got to do to survive. You're not going to, if you can't legally sell it in the United States, probably your largest market, why would you bother producing it? Right? So, 
Um, and you know, there was technology limitations and stuff. And to a certain extent, what reward was there for spending the R and D, uh, time and money designing double stack weapons that could hold more than 10 rounds when you weren't be able to sell them. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's why we've seen such, uh, in the last 15 years or so here, again, we've seen so much growth, uh, in the firearms industry. Um, you jump forward 10 years, we hit 2004 and, uh, I'm probably going to butcher the name here, the Tyart amendment. Um, this really in my, in my, uh, opinion is a, a neutral protectionary measure being passed. Uh, what this did was it prohibits the public disclosure of where a criminal purchased the firearm that they used to conduct a crime. Uh, it shielded the retailer as well from, uh, from lawsuit. And I think that, like I said, this is neutral. I, I really do agree with this. Um, bad people do bad things. Okay. If you've never committed a crime before in your life, you're not going to have a problem getting a gun. Um, if you, then you get the gun, you carry out a crime. Well, okay. But it's not that shop owner's fault that sold you the gun. Um, especially today, the way people post all over the internet. Oh, with the shaming and the hate speech and everything, you'd put somebody out of business if they were able to, if the media was able to disclose that. Because uh, hate sells. Okay. Uh, as much as the, the liberal media and liberal people preach acceptance for all, they're some of the most hating and judgmental people uh, in the world right now. Uh, just depending on what your views are. Um, so I agree with this. I really do. Um, and people will, you can't predict what people are going to do. Uh, I, when I read this and think about it, I always think about that movie Minority Report with Tom Cruise. Um, you know, the whole pre-crime thing and predicting crime and stopping crime before it even happens. It's just not realistic. It's not a thing, man. And you cannot walk around telling, you can't as a government tell, at least not this government, tell people that you have to prove that you're worthy of owning a firearm because it's one of the basic rights that this country was founded on. Okay, the next year, 2005, the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act was passed. Prevents gun manufacturers from being named in lawsuits by victims of crimes that involve one of the manufacturer's products. This makes sense. Okay, you don't sue a car company because you get hit by a car. You sue the individual who is driving or operating it. Okay, and I just touched on this. You know, you don't know what people are going to do with it. Um... You shouldn't be able to sue the retailer. Now, if the product itself is defective and you as the operator taking the gun out to the range, using it, and it blows up or something, it's a completely different story, completely different conversation. All right. 2008, District of Columbia v. Heller. This is important because it shifted or changed uh, a precedent that was set by the U.S. v. Miller case back in 39. This challenged the handgun ban and trigger lock requirement and stated that it violated the Second Amendment, okay? Um, <clears throat> to say things um, like you have to have a lock for your trigger and, and stuff, um, there are ways of securing a firearm without a trigger lock. Uh, and in the moment when you go to need that firearm, the last thing you want to be doing is fumbling around with the trigger lock. Um, now, if you're a gun retailer, it's a little bit different. You keep them in cases. You don't want that all out in the open, protect yourself from liability, I get it. Um, but as somebody who's a private gun owner, there should not be any requirement for you to have to have a trigger lock. Okay. Um, this also specifically noted um, that it did not change the precedent or standing on firearm ownership for felons or the mentally ill, uh, which again, I'm not told, I'm not opposed to that either. Um, and it did not, it 
also did not change any laws forbidding guns uh, to be carried in schools or government buildings. Um, I already hit on that. Um, you know, gun-free zones are soft targets. Talk to anybody with a police or military background, they'll tell you the same thing. That's why you see all of your major tragedies happen in those kinds of places. Government institutions typically have the benefit of having some kind of armed security uh, in place. Um, so let's let's tally it up here, right? Okay. Um, wins for the pro 2A community. We had uh, three wins or positive outcomes here. Okay. The Second Amendment, obviously, the Firearm Owners Protection Act of 86, and then the Heller case ruling. All right. Um, seven losses. It's everything else I talked about. Technically six, um, you know, since the assault weapons ban expired back in 2004. Um, but three to seven. Okay. If you look at it like we do with, uh, you know, sporting events, three to seven, that's, that's a loss. Okay. If they double up on you and then some, you're, you're not doing so hot. Um, and this is all facts. Okay. Now I, I've, I've shared my opinions. I, I've, I've given commentary and con and a little bit of context to a lot of these. Uh, but these are facts. This is undisputed. Um, not all of it is bad, um, but I do think a lot of it's an infringement. And when we look at this today, because <clears throat> you have to look at it, um, we made the amendments, right, because we weren't happy with the way things currently were. We've gotten rid of laws. We've added more laws based on the climate uh, of the world, really. Um, so when we look at this legislation, we have to ask, is it really working? And you look at, let's look at a place like, because uh, we're talking about enacting legislation, okay, more restriction. Look at Chicago, okay, strictest, strictest gun laws in the country. And since the start of 2020, there have been 2,249 shootings as of July 29th. These laws are only restricting the law-abiding. They essentially, they, it's like cutting off your nose to spite your face because the law-abiding people that are just trying to go about their life are not the ones that you have to worry about. It's the criminals. So restricting what the law-abiding can do to protect themselves is only making the situation worse, all right? Because they still have all these shootings. These laws are not curbing the, the shootings. The guns are coming in somewhere. You know, and then people, oh, well, it's from the other states. It's because the other states near them don't have strict enough gun laws. Ever, it's No, no, you can't restrict more freedoms because it, what you're doing isn't working. Okay, that's, it's just, it's not how, it's not how this works. Okay, criminals find a way, and in cases of extreme leg legislation, like, uh, like these, like bans and things like that, um, it only hurts the law abiding. You know, uh, since 66, we've added more and more legislation and look it up. The number of mass shootings has only gone up. The situation's only gotten worse. And people will say, oh, well, that's because we didn't have good reporting and record keeping back then. Well, no, um, I think a, we as a society have degenerated. I think that's pretty obvious. You see the way people are acting out in the streets right now in what they call a protest, uh, society's degenerated. Um, it's just, and we've had more and more legislation to restrict legal gun ownership and where people can legally carry firearms. You're literally making it easier for it to happen by restricting those who can, who can step in and help. You know, do you have to be a police officer if you see somebody getting ready to do grievous bodily harm? No. If you're a concealed carrier, it's your responsibility. You should, as a human, 
with decency, do what you can to intervene and stop that from happening. Someone's intent on trying to kill somebody else, I mean, come on, what would you do? Most of us would probably say, yeah, I would try to help. No one's going to, most people will not stand by and watch somebody die. But you can't really do much if you aren't armed, right? Um, it just doesn't, to me, a lot of this just doesn't make any sense, man. It just, it really, really doesn't. Um, I just, I think it's, it's time that the people that are tasked with solving these kinds of issues, like how to, how to curb the number of shootings, uh, how to, how to deal with these problems. Um, you start looking at alternative solutions. Okay. Because restrictions have only hurt the law abiding so far. Maybe try removing some of the restrictions. Things couldn't get any worse, right? Not all of them, not saying get rid of everything, but uh, how much worse could it get? We already have mass shootings. We already have children getting shot in schools. And you know what? Oh, let's put in metal detectors. Well, schools are already underfunded, criminally underfunded, honestly. That's a whole separate issue. You know, but then you want to, hey, let's put in more metal detectors and hire more security guards. With what money? So then the, the children suffer further with a poorer education and teachers suffer because then there's less money to pay them for a job that they already dig into their own pockets for. But I'm not going to get into that. Um, any, so w- there's a question, um, a thought that I'd like to pose, and this is what we're going to wrap up with, is uh, you know we have suicides, um, attacks, vandalism, endless life-changing consequences as a result of freedom of speech, right? Our First Amendment, our most sacred of rights in this country. Um, and a lot of this, most of this now is in regard to social media and public speech. Look at what the president dealt with. This is our highest office and until very recently our most respected um, office uh, during his entire first term here, right? Largely because everything that's spread through the media and social media because it's so prevalent now. Um, Cyberbullying continues to be an issue even after all of the popular activism against bullying. Um, you know, see see what we talked about in our episode about being radical, right? It's, it really is. It's a form of cyberbullying that we deal with just because our views and opinions are different than what other people deem to be acceptable. Um, but does anybody ever bring up stripping the First Amendment because of all the damage it's done? No. What would happen? People would be furious, right? Because the First Amendment, you can't. How dare you? The First Amendment grants us right to free speech. It grants us our right to burn the flag, right? We'd absolutely never allow that. So why, as a society, are we so quick to try and strip ourselves blindly of the right to protect ourselves? And I say we because we aren't talking about one side or the other. We're talking about we as in a country. Why? Why? It has to change. Something else has to be done. Uh, I think it's time for, uh, like I said, it's all time for some alternative solutions. We would never get rid of the First Amendment. Um, I don't. The Second Amendment, in my mind, is the gatekeeper of the first. Um, but I hope this has been informative for you guys. Uh, it certainly was for me when I was doing a lot of this research. Um, I definitely learned a few things. Uh, opened my eyes to a couple different things. Um, so. Uh, with that, you know, uh, check us out on Instagram, prepared.mindset.pod. Uh, if you have questions, a topic you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to send an email, prepared.mindset.podcast at gmail. Uh, and we now also have our Facebook page. Uh, so like us, follow us, share us. 
uh, do everything you, you know, we're trying to do everything we can to grow the message right now. So uh, help us out. Tell your friends. Until next time, guys, this has been the Prepared Mindset Podcast. Stay prepared. <laughs>